of a series that we have called Staycation. And I want to look into the camera and welcome those of you that are watching online. We are excited, even if you couldn't be here in person, that you are tuned in with us and what God is doing here. I want to uh, give you a couple of things, uh, bits of information before we jump into the message today. The first one, just want to kind of piggyback off of the video announcements, and I can't tell you how excited we are and uh, to do this serve day on July the 13th. It's something that we've done every year since we started the church. Uh, we have a community-wide, city-wide serve day. I believe we have about eight or nine different projects that we're going to be doing all across the city. And so the best way for you to get on a team is to go online, and it was yourimpactchurch.com slash serve, and on there there'll be a list of all the teams and what they're going to be doing on that day. We're going to join together here in the parking lot at 8 a.m. We'll pray together. We'll split up into our teams. Uh, you get a free t-shirt. Come on, somebody. It's, it's just a great day to be alive. Amen. It seems like that's a song or something, but uh, we're excited about it, and so go online, sign up. It's first come, first serve. Those teams are limited to the amount of people that are needed for each project, and so the sooner you go online and get signed up on there, the the, the easier it'll be for you to get maybe on the team that you want to be a part of. We have a lot of different options on there, so go online and check that out. And then the last thing that I want to mention to you is going to take me just a minute, but i got to get my phone out. Does everybody have your phone? Everybody pull your phone out. Everybody got your phone? If you got iPhone, you're going to heaven. If you got Android, we'll pray for you. I'm just joking. Just joking. Uh, so there is, I want to let you know about something, because when you walked in today, maybe you noticed, maybe you didn't, but in the lobby, there is now a, a kids' check-in station in the lobby. I want to talk to you about that and some other cool things that you're going to have access to now. But there's a new app. So our initial app that we had as a church is uh, no longer available, and so it's not updated, anything like that. But there's a new app that is available that is going to give you a lot more access to what's going on and be able to do a lot more with and it's actually called Church Center. And so you can download the app called Church Center. There's just a couple of steps to set it up. It links to your profile and all of that. Uh, I believe that you'll select our church from the menu, and then it'll send you a code so that you can get logged in. And I want to show you what all this can do uh, because I really feel like it's going to benefit you. Um, and if you're like me, I love technology, and so anything technology is great in my eyes. But once you get logged in, this is kind of, and I know some of you, it's going to be hard for you to see this, but this is what the home page will look like. Uh, it has service times, ways to reach a church by phone, email, uh, get the website, directions. If you ever needed to drop somebody a pin to where church was at, you could do that. Uh, it's pretty cool. And then down at the bottom, you'll notice there are some tabs that are really hard to see for you because you're a good ways away. But there are some tabs at the bottom. They say home, give, groups, check-in, and events. And so you can access all of these things related to our church. So uh, giving online is now super, super easy because you just tap the give tab. It comes up like this. You put in an amount, hit next, and you know, it's done. Super, super easy to do that. The next one is groups. All of our groups, iGroups, every semester it's updated. You click on uh, the groups tab, hit iGroups, and you can scroll through all of the groups that are available. You can click on one and it'll give you the information about that group, the link to join. All of that stuff is on there, so it's super simple to do that. Um, another thing down at the bottom on the far right, it says events. When you click on that, that's any event that we have going on at the church. So right now you can sign up for next steps. 
uh, on the app, you can sign up for baptism, for child dedication. Uh, right now, all of our serve day teams that we were just talking about, you can actually do that on the app. So if you don't want to go on the website, you can just click on the app and the events, and all of those teams are on there. Find the team that you want to join. And then the last thing that I want to talk to you about is the check-in tab. So for those of us that have kids, when you click on the check-in tab, you n will now have the option to check your kids in before you get here. So you don't have to, you know, sometimes I know there's a few people you're waiting in line and and uh, there's a couple of different stations out here. But now it's going to be as easy for those of you that want to do this on your way to church or before you leave the house or whatever. You click the check in tab. It'll pull up with if it's once you link it to your profile, it'll pull up all of the people in your household. And I'll give you an example here. I'll click on uh, uh, one of my kids. You'll select, you know, it'll tell what class they're in. You'll select the service time you're coming to. And then all you do is click next, and it creates a QR code on your phone instantly. So when you walk in the door, there's a scanner right there at the front door. You just walk in, scan it, print your stuff, you take your kids to class, and you're done. So there's you don't have to punch anything in or anything like that. You can be prepared ahead of time, which is a cool feature. I know that some of you uh, will appreciate that. Um, I know that that's something that that uh, we will enjoy as well as a family. So wanted to let you know about that, that there's a lot of cool features that you can access on there and pretty much anything you'll ever sign up for, groups, information you'll need, it'll be accessible on this new app. And so don't forget to download that church center. It's totally free to you. It doesn't cost anything. And uh, and we'll just continue to use that. And I believe that it's going to help us tremendously as a church. So with all that being said, we have been in a series that we called Staycation, and uh, we're celebrating Summer at Impact for the months of June, July, and August, and uh, we're just really having a good time in this series, and we're talking about living life on mission. Next weekend, we're going to begin a brand new series that's going to be talking specifically about our vision as a church, and so we're going to kind of dive into that a little bit more. Some of you, if you've been through Next Steps, you've heard that, but we're going to dive into a little bit more how we can actually uh, apply those things to our lives, and so we're going to spend a few weeks talking about that. But today, I want to catch us up to speed and just really briefly talk about where we've been and then introduce today's topic for us. So in part one, the message was called, This is Real Life. And uh, we're going to throw these on the screen, just some one-liners to kind of remind us of what the message, if we could sum it all up in one sentence, this is what it was, that many times what we consider an interruption in our lives is actually an opportunity for our real life. So a lot of times we're thinking, well, this is my real life, and, and you're interrupting it, and that event interrupted it, and in reality... God sees those things most of the time as opportunities for you to actually experience the life that he intends for you to live. Sometimes we just get too busy to notice it. And then in part two, we call the message, Channel Your Inner Child. And we really talked about two questions from a passage of scripture uh, that we learned from Jesus. And the first one was this, that do you believe that kids really matter to God? And we read the, the passage where the kids were coming to, to Jesus and the disciples were trying to stop it. Hey, we don't need to do this. And Jesus says, no, let the kids come to me. And he lets us know that kids are really important in God's eyes and he loves children. And then he goes on to, to talk about how we need to become like a child, which then addresses the second question that we talked about is, do you really believe that all things are possible with God? I think that there are different angles that we can, that we can take on what Jesus was meaning whenever he said that you need to become like a little child. But one of those, I believe, is in faith. And kids, how many of you know if you've had kids, your kids believe that anything is possible? Your kids just trust you. I'm looking around the room today. I've seen a few babies. And, and, and your, like your kids, they don't wonder whether or not you're going to drop them. <laughs> 
They don't wonder whether or not, you know, like, well, is it going to be cool in the house today when we get home? Is the AC going to be working? You know, did dad go to work today? To They just trust their parents. And sometimes I think Jesus is trying to get us to go back to that mentality of like a child where we just we just trust God with whatever God wants to do, whatever he has for our lives, that we just trust him. And then last week in part three, the message was titled Meant to Be. And we could say it in this way, if we were going to sum it all up, that you can be the person that you were meant to be. No matter what happened in your past, no matter what, what happened this weekend, no matter what you walked in with today, no matter what where you've come from or the family of origin that you came from, you can be with God. You can be the person that you were meant to be every single time. That is God's desire for your life. And then today, in part four, as we wrap this series up, I want to talk to you on this subject if you're taking notes or you can get these on the Bible app. It's when discomfort sets in. When discomfort sets in. I think that if we were to go around the room, anybody ever felt uncomfortable? Anybody ever been through something that just made you uncomfortable, right? We could all share a story of how we felt uncomfortable, and I was... I was remembering times when I felt like I was even supposed to do something that was out of my comfort zone. I don't know if you've ever been there or not. You felt like you were supposed to step out of your comfort zone and, and, and maybe pray for somebody or, or do something for somebody or have a conversation with somebody. Anybody have a comfort zone? You know, we know this is true. If you're not nodding your head right now, you're a liar in church. You have a comfort zone. Many of you, you come to church every weekend and you sit in the same vicinity every single time. You have your seat. You're getting here 15 minutes early so nobody gets in your seat, right? The chair, you walk in, the chairs are arranged different. You're like, I don't know what, what's up with this, right? This is my chair right here, and, and it's not here. It's not in, you know, I like this angle or whatever it is. We all have a comfort zone. There are things that we just like. We just kind of slide into this comfort zone, and everything is comfortable around us. And, and I was thinking about times when I've even felt like it's one thing to go up to somebody that you know that is a part of maybe even your church family and to say, hey, can I pray with you? I feel like I'm supposed to pray with you. It's another thing completely to go up to a stranger that you feel like God is leading you to and to pray for them, right? That's uncomfortable. You might be uncomfortable sometimes to just pray in general, but it's really uncomfortable if God is asking you to go pray for somebody that you really don't know all that well. So maybe you can relate to that. Or one thing for me that is uncomfortable sometimes is, and I'll explain why, but and maybe you can relate too, is going to funerals. And it's not that I don't like funerals, but I don't even have to know the person that the funeral is for, for me to, to I just don't like seeing people hurt. And so you can be, and maybe you're like me, and you can be sitting in a funeral, and I don't even know the person that we're here for, but I can see a group of people that are hurting and grieving and struggling through this, and immediately in my mind I go to, like, what if that was my spouse, or what if that was my parent, or what if that was my kid, or what if that, you know, and, and just all of this stuff, just this emotion starts coming out, and so sometimes it can be uncomfortable for me because I'm thinking, like, why am I even crying right now? I don't know, but I am. And maybe you could, you could probably find a situation where you felt uncomfortable, probably in recent memory, something that you were uncomfortable in. I was thinking, uh, as I was, I, was, I was processing through this idea of being uncomfortable, that Jesus never told us that follow me and your life will be comfortable. 
follow me and I'm going to set you in your comfort zone and you're going to have it all figured out and it's just going to be all, it's going to be awesome. Jesus never said that the purpose that he has for your life, we're, we're talk, we talk a lot about purpose and I just want to know what my purpose is. I want to know what God wants me to do and all these things. And, and then we get into something and we're like, oh, this is hard and it's uncomfortable. It's like, that must not be God. Jesus never said, you know, Take up your cross and follow me in the land of comfort. And here we go, and it's just going to be all roses and walking through flowers, and everybody's just going to love you. And He never said that. And I was thinking about how God never said his purpose or his calling for my life or for your life was going to be anything comfortable. There's going to be some uncomfortable situations. It's not going to always be easy. And I wonder how many of us are missing out on God's best for our lives because of fear and discomfort. And we're not experiencing everything that God has for us because we're afraid and we don't like uncomfortable. We're afraid and that makes me uncomfortable. And so we don't do things that God asks us to do a lot of times because it makes us uncomfortable. And I believe that there are times when God, he comforts us and he wraps his arms around us. And and there are seasons where we're in the zone and we're in the comfort zone. But my question today is this, what do we do when following Jesus is uncomfortable? What do you do when you make the decision to follow Jesus and it starts to get a little uncomfortable? Some of y'all are uncomfortable right now. Like, can we get some bigger chairs in this place right now? Because what do you do when Jesus, when following him, is no longer comfortable? (laughs) When the new wears off. When you're walking through something that you're wondering, now I'm questioning whether or not God is even real. Because I didn't think it was supposed to be this way. I didn't think I was supposed to be going through that. I didn't think I was going to have to deal with that. I thought that was going to be fixed. I thought, and now you're in an uncomfortable and uneasy situation. And normally, uh, normally I would read you a passage of scripture and we would talk about it. I want to change it up a little bit today and I want to give you my points. And, and as we go through each one of these points, we're going to read some scripture and some quotes and things like that. That kind of support the context of what we're talking about today. But I want to give you three things that I think are going to benefit you with this idea of discomfort setting in and, and being okay with being uncomfortable. Here's number one, if you're taking notes, you've got to learn how to expect the hard. You have to expect the hard. I think sometimes you give your life to Jesus. If somebody told you at some point in your life that, that you're going to give your life to Jesus and then everything's going to work out for you and there's not going to be anything hard in your life, then somebody lied to you. Because that is not in the Bible. You can read all throughout the Gospels where Jesus was in the physical, on the earth, and people were following him, and it was uncomfortable. Jesus would be saying things, and they're like, did Jesus really just say that? One instance where Jesus, Jesus gives this analogy, and he says something, and it offends people, and all the people start leaving. And he looks at his disciples, and he says, you're not going to leave too, are you? Uncomfortable. <laughs> What are you going to say in that moment? Like, we've been following you around, but, you know, that whole blood thing you're talking about, we're not sure about that. That's a little uncomfortable for us, and so, you know, we're out of here. And then Peter turns around and says, like, to whom shall we go? Where are we, like, where are we going to go? I guess we're just going to keep following you, right? <laughs> There's nowhere, where, are we, where else are we going to go? There's all throughout the Bible you see uncomfortable situations in people's lives that were following Jesus, even when Jesus was on the earth. And I think that we've got to learn to expect 
the heart. You've got to expect that the enemy is not just going to roll over and let you do whatever you want to do because you decided to follow Jesus and now everything is just going to be okay in your life. You've got to expect some hard situations. I want to start today in Matthew chapter 14 and verse 1 and we'll read through chapter or we'll read through verse 13 here on this point. It says, when Herod Antipas, the ruler of Galilee, heard about Jesus, he said to his advisors, this must be John the Baptist raised from the dead. That is why he can do such miracles. For Herod had arrested and imprisoned John as a favor to his wife Herodias, the former wife of Herod's brother Philip. Now I want to pause here for a minute and just tell you, you need to read your Bible. Because the Bible is scandalous, y'all. There's all kinds of crazy stuff in the Bible. This is talking about a guy who is in charge and is talking about his wife who used to be married to his brother. How many of you know that's not okay? Like, just marry the woman that used to be married to your brother. Now, I know like in the Old Testament and the, the, the laws that they were following and the rules and things like that, it was a little bit different than what we have now. Jesus is coming and he's like, you know, introducing a new way, a new covenant. And I don't have time to get into all that right now. But you just need to read your Bible because there's all kinds of cool stuff in the Bible. I mean, you'd be reading stuff and be like, is that really in the Bible? That just doesn't even make sense for that to be in the Bible. The Bible has got all kinds of crazy stuff. Anyway, verse 4. John had been telling Herod, it is against God's law for you to marry her. Herod wanted to kill John, so John is, John is saying, hey, you don't need to be married to this. This was like your brother's wife. That's against God's law for you to do that. Herod gets mad. And he's like, well, I'm just going to kill you, you know, and <laughs> we'll just take care of this right now. And then it goes on and says, Herod wanted to kill him, but he was afraid of a riot because all the people believed John was a prophet. But at a birthday party for Herod, Herodias' daughter performed a dance that greatly pleased him, so he promised with a vow to give her anything she wanted. Now, I'm not going to get into what kind of dance this might have been that pleased somebody enough that he would give her anything. Ask me for anything that you want, and I'll give it to you. Just all cut. The Bible's crazy, y'all. You know, like, whoo, I like that so much. Just anything that you ask for, I'll give you anything that you want. And this is, this is what happens. Verse 8. At her mother's urging, the girl said, I want the head of John the Baptist on a tray. Then the king regretted what he had said, but because of the vow he had made in front of his guests, he issued the necessary orders. So John was beheaded in prison, and his head was brought on a tray and given to the girl who took it to her mother. Crazy birthday party. <laughs> Later, John's disciples came for his body and buried it. Then they went and told Jesus what had happened. As soon as Jesus heard the news, he left in a boat to a remote area to be alone, but the crowds heard where he was headed and followed on foot from many towns. Anybody ever been through anything hard in your life? Been through something difficult in your life? First of all, we see two things going on here. First, you see John. Now, I want to talk about John for just a moment because many of us feel like John a lot of times. John's purpose was to come and prepare the way for Jesus, to let people know that, hey, the, the person that we've been waiting for is here. The, the Messiah that we've been praying for and we've been talking about is here, preparing the way for Jesus. John was doing the right thing. He was doing his calling. He was living in his purpose. He was doing what God had put him on earth to do and preparing the way for Jesus. Doing the right thing. And he finds himself in prison and eventually beheaded for doing the right thing. 
Anybody ever felt like you were doing the right thing? I'm praying. I'm reading my Bible. I've been getting up at 6 o'clock in the morning. I've been, doing, I've, been, I've been going to church for three months now, like straight. And my life is not looking any different. Everybody else around me is still crazy. Everybody that I work for is still crazy. Everybody that I'm a co-worker is still crazy. This is not working. And John is doing the right thing and ends up in prison and ends up with his head chopped off, put on a tray, walk into the birthday party with a tray with a head on it. Come on, somebody. This is in, the, this is in your Bible. You need to read your Bible. And then we see at the very end of it where Jesus gets word. They come and they bury John's body, and then Jesus gets word that this has happened. And, and Jesus, Jesus is going through these emotions that we go through a lot of time. And, and he, he sets sail, and he's like, I'm going to go to somewhere where I can be by myself, and I can kind of process this, and I can grieve a little bit. Because not only did Jesus lose a family member, Jesus lost somebody that he was close to. Jesus lost somebody that, that, was, that meant something. In his life. And sometimes in life, things are just going to be hard. Some t- I mean, let me just encourage you today. You're going to have hard. Sometimes things are going to be difficult. It's just going to happen. We live in a fallen world. The enemy is against us. He's trying to kill, steal, and destroy. And for him to try to kill, steal, and destroy means that he's going to put some hard things on you and some difficult situations on you. And you're going to be walking through things that you wish you didn't have to walk through. You just need to expect the hard. Because when you expect it, you can be prepared for it. When you expect it, you don't turn your back on God because the hard came. But no, I was expecting this. I was expecting whenever I started trying to follow Jesus a little bit closer that stuff was going to come against me. That somebody was going to make a comment about something. That somebody was going to post something on, fa- on Facebook about me. That somebody was going to be talking about how crazy I am. That somebody was going to be talking about how weird it was what I did the other day. That somebody was going to be talking about, you just need to expect it. It's just going to happen. It's going to happen. It's the world that we live in. And I'm not trying to say that to discourage you. I'm trying to encourage you that there are going to be things that are going to happen. You just need to expect it so that when it comes, you'll be prepared and ready to handle whatever it is that comes into your life. But sometimes things are hard. Sometimes you may lose your job unexpectedly. Or your spouse may file for divorce. Or you may lose someone that you love to sickness or a tragedy. Or your kids may not be living for Jesus. Or you're going through a financial struggle. And let me just let me say this before I move on to the next point. That, that being a Christian does not exempt you from hard. Being a Christian does not exempt you from being in difficult situations. You know, the Bible talks about how it rains on the just and the unjust. It, just bad things happen sometimes in our lives because of the world, the fallen world that we live in. We need to expect difficult situations. Sometimes it helps me, and I don't know if it does you, but it helps me to know that Jesus went through some of the same emotions that I go through. That Jesus wanted to get away and be by himself for a little bit when he got the news. That when, when, when somebody did something that he didn't approve of, that there were times where he got angry even though he didn't sin. That there were these emotions that Jesus walked through and, and, and gave us examples of that I feel a lot of times in situations depending on what the situation is. I think about, you know, him grieving the loss of John the Baptist that we just talked about or crying over the hurt uh, of the people that he sees when, when Lazarus died before he raised Lazarus from the dead. You know, the, the verse that just says Jesus wept. 
that in that moment he just cried. He just wept because of compassion for people and hurt and, and loss in that moment. Or whenever he was getting ready to go to the cross for our sin. And, and the Bible says that he was sweating what was like drops of blood because of what he was feeling and what he was about to endure. I don't know if you've ever felt like that before. You've been so stressed out. You've been so anxious. You've been so worried about something that 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 it was like you just could not even function. You couldn't think clearly. You couldn't anything. And Jesus is sweating what looks like drops of blood because he is so overwhelmed with this idea of going to the cross. But he submitted and he did what God asked him to do, but it was hard. It was hard. When Jesus was on earth, he was 100% human. And that was hard. And it's encouraging for me to know that Jesus had to walk through some of the same things that we walk through in some of those emotions sometimes. We need to learn to expect the hard. One pastor said it this way. He said, you're either coming out of a storm, in the middle of a storm, or about to enter a storm. You're either walking. Let me just encourage you again today. <laughs> It's an encouraging message. We're going to get to point two here in just a minute. You're either coming out of a storm, you're in the middle of a storm, or there's a storm in your future that you don't even know is there yet. Because that's just, storms are inevitable. They're just a part of life. But it's encouraging to know that with God, we can find comfort, we can find strength, we can find everything that we need to make it through the hard, to make it through the difficult. But nobody's exempt. So we need to expect the hard. Here's point number two. We need to do the uncomfortable. We need to do the uncomfortable. I didn't say think about the uncomfortable. I didn't say run away from the uncomfortable. <laughs> Sometimes you got to do the uncomfortable. We, the, the next seven or eight verses, right after Jesus gets this news, he tries to get away. People find out where he's going. They're all walking that direction from all these towns, you know, to gather around Jesus. And this is what it says. Jesus saw the huge crowd as he stepped from the boat. So they're waiting on him. <laughs> hey, we know where Jesus is going. You want to go? They get there, and there's a big crowd already there, and Jesus got out of the boat, and he's like, well, I guess I'm not getting my alone time. <laughs> all these people there. And a lot of people say, as we're going to read in a minute, that there were 5,000 men there. Most theologians or people that study this believe there was somewhere between like 15,000 to 25,000 people that were there. It says that Jesus saw the huge crowd as he stepped from the boat, and he had compassion on them and healed their sick. That evening, the disciples came to him and said, This is a remote place, and it's already getting late. Send the crowds away so they can go to the villages and buy food for themselves. Now I want to pause here for a moment because this is uncomfortable. <laughs> this is uncomfortable what's about to happen. And I don't know what your uncomfortable situations have been in life, but the disciples are about to encounter something that's very, very uncomfortable because Jesus is healing. Jesus is teaching. There's 20,000 people there, and they're all gathered around. And the disciples, you know, they look, and it's like the sun's going down, and it's about dinner time, and Chick-fil-A's about to close. And so we need to let these people go. So come on, Chick-fil-A, somebody. And we need to let these people go so that they can go get food. So Jesus, we love what you're doing, man. It's awesome. Can we pick it up tomorrow and, like, close the message down right now? You know, no more healings. You know, woo! Stopping the line right here. Don't tell us anything else that you need because we need to let y'all go so you can get some food. And, and then Jesus looks back, and this is what he says. He says, that isn't necessary. You feed them. Now, if you could put yourself in the disciples' shoes for just a moment. There's 20,000 people here. 
Jesus, this is really good what you're doing, but, eh, you know, people are getting hungry. You know, anybody get hangry before? Yeah. People are getting hangry out here in the crowds, you know, and they're having to wait in line for everything that's going on, you know. And so uh, it's, a little, it's a little uncomfortable. And Jesus says, oh, it's not necessary for everybody to leave. You feed them. You give them something to eat. <laughs> Jesus, you playing, man. You playing, right? Nope. <laughs> that's not necessary. You give them some food. And I can imagine the disciples, they go, whoever it was, the messenger, you know, they sent the messenger over there, right? You know how we do that? We get in groups of people, and then we send, like, the one person. You know, you send your brother that the, that everybody likes, you know, to go over there and ask mom for whatever you want. And they're sending him, he comes back, and he's like, so how'd it go? You know, how'd it go? Would you, did, you, did you tell him, you know, that he needed to let the people go because it's getting late, you know? And, and you know, we're really hungry, too. And he's like, you know, funny thing. <laughs> <laughs> he told me to come back and tell y'all that we should feed them. And so they're getting together, <laughs> and I can imagine they're huddled up, and Jesus is over here, and he's still doing his thing, right? <laughs> and they're like, you know, you just stay right over there, Jesus, and we're going to try to figure this thing out. You know, I know there's like a lot of people out here, and you just told us to feed them, so we're going to try to see what we can get together, you know, over here real quick. And you just keep on doing that, and we'll, we'll let you know whenever we got the food together. And they come across five loaves of bread and two fish. Five loaves of bread and two fish. They go back to Jesus. <laughs> you know, we tried. <laughs> we say that all the time, right? It's like, well, we tried, you know. Oh, I tried to make it. You know, we tried to, you know, we gathered up everything that we could get. And, you know, we got five loaves of bread and two fish. And so, you know, that's probably, you know, like, we could split that, you know. Like, we're the leaders, you know, we can split that. But you still going to need to send these people away. <laughs> you need to tell them they need to go find some food. And, and it goes on and it says, the disciples say, but we only have five loaves of bread and two fish, they answered. And Jesus says, bring them here. Bring them here. <laughs> just awkward. Awkward. If you can just imagine that you're there. Imagine you're in an arena that sits, you know, 18,000 people and all the seats are full. Somebody's speaking. You're on the team. You walk up and you're like, you know, what you're doing is really good, but, you know, it's been like an eight-hour sermon, and so we really need to let these people go so that they can get some food. And they turn around to you and say, you just, just feed them. Well, all we got is five loaves of bread and two fish. Oh, yeah, just bring it here. Bring it here. Then he told the people to sit down on the grass. Jesus took the five loaves and two fish, looked up toward heaven, and blessed them. Then, breaking the loaves into pieces, he gave the bread to the disciples who distributed it to the people. They all ate as much as they wanted, and afterward the disciples picked up 12 baskets of leftovers. About 5,000 men were fed that day in addition to all the women and children. Let's just talk about verse 19 for a moment. Can we just talk about verse 19 for a moment? Jesus tells, tells them, hey, bring what you got to me. They're like, Jesus, you know, this is, all, this is all we have, five loaves of bread, two fish. And Jesus holds it up, and he prays over it, you know, like, Father, we just thank you for this food that you provided. And then he gives it back to the disciples and says, go give it to the people. Uncomfortable. You can imagine the disciples. I can imagine they split up. You know, it's like, all right, you take this section, and I'll take this section, and, and you guys take that section over there. And they're going through the crowd, and they're like, just a little piece. Just, just, just take a, you know, just a, just a, mm, just a little piece. You know, we got 20,000 people. We're trying to make this go around, you know, spread. And they get through a couple rows of people, and one of them looks at the, looks at the food that's in their hand or in the basket or whatever, and, and they think. And they start looking at each other like, do you still have some food? 
So they just keep on going, and they go through, and they get through about three or 4,000 people, and they look up, and they're like, what is the deal with this food? Like, this was five loaves of bread and two fish. And I can just imagine, I don't know how it happened. The Bible doesn't tell us how it happened. If they just looked down, and pff, there it was, you know, or, or they're holding the loaf of bread, and as they're about to give, you know, a, they just pinch a part off of it, and they give it to this person, it just, you know, it just grows back out. And it's like, whoa, every time that I take about half of this off, it just grows back. You know, I don't know how this is working. But the whole thing had to be uncomfortable. But here's what you need to understand. The miracle was in the uncomfortable. And sometimes we're praying for a miracle that God is asking us to do something about. And it makes us uncomfortable. And because it makes us uncomfortable, we never step out and do what it is. Can I just encourage you today that somebody's miracle might be hinging on your obedience. Your miracle might be hinging on your obedience. What God wants to do in your life might be hanging in the balance of whether or not you're going to obey and do something that's uncomfortable that you know God told you to do. And it doesn't make sense. Come on, the disciples didn't know how this was going to turn out. In the moment when Jesus said, hey, you feed them, they were like, oh, my gosh. I don't know how we're about to do this. These people are going to think we're crazy walking out here with just these little bitty loaves of bread, and here we go, just trying to feed everybody. They didn't know what was going to happen. But what I get out of this is they were willing to obey. It was one of those moments where they were like, you know, like, we've seen you do some pretty crazy stuff already. So, you know, maybe this is going to work out too. I don't know. We're just going to trust you and just start doing it and, and see what happens. They, they obeyed. And because they obeyed, the miracle happened. Because they obeyed, God was able to do something supernatural in that situation. Sometimes we just have to obey the uncomfortable thing that God is telling us to do. The uncomfortable conversation, the uncomfortable thing in your marriage, the uncomfortable thing with your kids, the uncomfortable thing at work, the uncomfortable thing with your career, whatever it is, sometimes we just have to do the uncomfortable thing so that the miracle can actually happen. And we see that Jesus pushes the disciples to do something and to serve in a way that made them uncomfortable. It made them uncomfortable, but they obeyed. They did the thing, and I have to brag on my wife, Amanda, who's not in this service, but she was in the last service, and uh, she does a great job at this. Me, not so much. <laughs> I mean, we could be we can be at a conference and be some people sitting, you know, two or three rows down, and it's like God will put something on her heart to, to speak to these people, and, and, you know, in a break or something like that, she'll be like, hey, I feel like God told me to tell you this, and every time, they're like, that is exactly what I needed to hear. I was praying, sometimes it's like I was even praying that God would send somebody or that I would be encouraged while I was here to keep doing what I'm doing. Like, that's exactly what just happened there. And then I'm, and I'm saying, I'm like, dang. Like, I'd be feeling something like tell somebody, like I'm going to tell David something. And I'm like, what if David thinks I'm weird? What if David thinks I'm crazy? <laughs> we got to, we got to sometimes get out of our comfort zone and do the uncomfortable so that God can do, because God wants to use you in uncomfortable situations to reach people, to encourage people so that people can experience what God has for them by you doing the uncomfortable thing. So you got to expect the hard, do the uncomfortable, and here's number three. I want to bring the worship team back. Number three, got to remain faithful. You have to remain faithful. 
expect hard, expect difficult. Do the uncomfortable that God's asking you to do and remain faithful through it all. I love this quote that I found, Brennan Manning. He said it this way about Jesus. He said, Jesus was victorious not because he never flinched, talked back, or questioned. But having flinched, talked back, and questioned, he remained faithful. Do you remember the story of when Jesus is about to go to the cross and he's in the garden and he's praying and he's sweating these drops of blood? What does he say? If there's any way to do this other than what I'm about to have to do, will you do it? Can we do it that way if there's any other way? But if this is the only way, I'll remain faithful. If I, I know this is going to be uncomfortable and this is going to hurt, but in the middle of it, if this is the only way that we can accomplish this and we can restore a relationship between people on earth and God the Father, if this is the only way this can happen, then I will remain faithful. I'll remain faithful. I think sometimes we forget that when Jesus was on the earth, he was 100% human. He was 100% God, but he was 100% human. And he walked in some of the situations and things that you walk through and overcame them. He remained faithful. And here's something that I know about me and I think I know about you. Is that some of our greatest moments in ministry will come out of our greatest pain. The things that you've had to walk through in your life. We can say it this way. I think we have it this way on the screen. That our greatest moments will come not because we never faced anything hard. But because we remained faithful through the hard. The greatest things that God will do in your life are not going to come because you never faced anything difficult. It's going to come because you remained faithful when you went through that difficult thing. When you remained faithful when you went through a hard situation in your life. When you went through a season where you were getting divorced and you didn't want to. When you went through a season where your kids were not living for God even though you had taught them to live for God. When you went through a season where your work laid you off because they couldn't afford to pay you anymore or they wanted to get rid of you. When you went through a it's when you remained faithful through the hard on the other side of it most of the time is the greatest moments in your life that God will use you to do. The greatest things that God will use you to do is not because you just had it easy all through life, but because you walked through some things and God walked you through it and saw you through it and He was faithful and you remained faithful and because you remained faithful and made it to the other side, now God can use you. Our greatest moments will come not because we never faced anything hard, but because we remained faithful through the hard. You're going to go through difficult and hard situations, but it's how you handle them. Will you remain faithful? Because God can use you on the other side, and even in the middle of it, if you'll remain faithful. you got to remain faithful. I love Romans 8, 28, and I want to end with this, and one more statement, and then we're going to pray and sing. But Romans 8, 28, many of us are familiar with this. It says, and we know that God causes everything to work together for the good of those who love God and are called according to his purpose for them. Can I work that in a way that might help you understand that on another level today? What does this mean? I think we can say it this way. When you remain faithful to God and his purpose for your life through the hard, he'll turn the hard around for your good. 
When you make the decision, I'm going to remain faithful, this sucks, and I hate this, and this is uncomfortable, but I'm remaining faithful, and I'm going to continue to live for God, and I'm continuing to move forward, and I'm continuing to to fight for my marriage. I'm continuing to fight for my kids. I'm continuing to fight that we're going to be in church. I'm continuing to fight and remain faithful. And God says, when you remain faithful through the hard, I can take everything that you just went through and use it for your good. And God says, I'm even good enough that I can take it while you're going through it. While you're in the middle of it, I can take it and I can use it for your good. And what you think is tearing you down and what you think is a difficult situation, I'll turn it into a platform that you can stand on so that you can reach more people for Jesus and you can have the greatest things that will be accomplished through your life because you remained faithful through the heart. When you remain faithful through the heart, God says, I can take all of that stuff and I will work it together for your good. Just watch what I do with everything you've been through when you remain faithful. Will you stand to your feet today? God, we thank you for moments like this where you're teaching us. Maybe there are some of us that have just come out of a difficult season. There are some that may not know what's coming in the future that might be difficult and hard. And God, I believe there are even some of us in this room right now that are walking right through the hard and the difficult as we stand here today. And God, I pray like we prayed at the end of worship that you would reveal your faithfulness and your goodness and your love to every person that is here right now. I want to bring our prayer team down. We're going to sing this final song. And if you need prayer for anything in your life, it could be what we talked about today. It could be some struggle that you're going through. It could be that you're walking through something hard right now and you just need somebody to pray for you, somebody to encourage you. You may not know how to pray. You may not know what to pray. You might not even feel like praying and you just need somebody to lift your arms in this moment and stand in the gap for you. If that's you, whatever your need is, don't don't be afraid to come for prayer. We all need prayer from time to time. But for those of us that this is not us, man, I encourage you, lift your hand. Let's lift our hands. Let's lift our voices. Let's lift our hearts. Let's let's declare the reckless love of God that chases us down and knocks down every wall and will find us no matter where we are, no matter what we've been through, no matter what we did yesterday. It doesn't matter. God will chase you down. He loves you that much. And so, God, today we thank you for your word. Lord, I pray right now in this moment that you are touching hearts and you are doing what only you can do. Lord, I pray that you would draw every person today who needs prayer in Jesus' name.